You think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a wolf on a phony claim. Maybe you are. It was perfect. Except it wasn't because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff. Yeah, but the police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, why do you accuse this? This is the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. Now, why did you shoot Miles? I didn't mean to at first. Really, I didn't. Oh, I can't look at you and tell you this. How'd you get mixed up with these cookies? What's the connection? He's okay. He tells me about you. Well, if he tells you I know where Velma is, he's nuts. He just picked you up to do his dirty work. He's after some jewelry. He thinks I've got it. Why don't you ask him about Velma? I gave you some dough to find her. Well, keep your shirt on. Why well, you got her? I haven't got her, you nitwit! Don't, Vince, please! Where'd you go with him? My arm! My arm! I asked you a question. Where? I only saw him on the street. On the street! He grabbed me over the gaiety! Oh, the gaiety, the gaiety! Oh, you pig! You lying pig! How could you arrest me here? This is my country. This is where you're gonna die. That wasn't no miss, Vargas. I was just to turn you around. I don't wanna shoot you in the back. Unless you'd rather try to run for it. And welcome to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'll be riding solo on this episode. Adam is unavailable and uh, is busy, so you are going to have to deal with me. On this episode, I will be talking about Robert Rodriguez's 2005 film, Sin City, his uh, adaptation of Frank Miller's uh, graphic novel, Sin City. And Frank Miller is also a uh, director on the film as well. Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino that is, is credited as a special guest director. He only directed one scene in the movie. So yeah, last month in October, I uh, watched a bunch of horror films and uh, yeah, that was Scary Movie Month 2022 and uh, I'll be adding my Letterboxd uh, Letterboxd D uh, list of uh, showing all the films I watched uh, during last October. So this month I am uh, watching a bunch of old well, some, some old films, but uh, mainly uh, noir films. It's November, so that means it's November. So, yeah, I've uh, been, I'm going to try and uh, watch, uh, yeah, watch a bunch of movies this month. Watch a bunch of uh, cool noir, you know, films about murder, treachery, double-crossing, crime, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so this episode, I uh, wanted to talk about uh, Sin City, a film that uh, I really like. Um, I think is a uh, fantastic uh, comic movie, uh, comic book, <laughs> comic book movie, movie, uh, comic book movie uh, adaptation. And uh, I'm also a fan of Frank Miller's uh, Sin City yarns, uh, as they're as they're uh, as they're called, stories, yarns, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic film. M- somehow manages to hold up very well, even though it came out seventeen years ago. And it's completely, you know, it's, it's it really really does hold up very well. Uh, I wish I could say the same about uh, the sequel, which came out in twenty fourteen, Sin City: A Dame to Kill For, which was not that good. 
and uh, was a little bit disappointing. I was a little bit disappointed with the way that film sort of turned out. So yeah, anyway, so the film is uh, based on the Frank Miller uh, stories. Uh, so the first, the third, and the fourth books in the series, The Hard Goodbye, The Big Fat Kill, and That Yellow Bastard are adapted uh, into this film. Uh, the pro- the short story, The Customer, The Customer, the, the short story, The Customer, is always right, uh, which is from the collection Booze, Broads, and Bullets. That opens up the beginning of the uh, that opens up the beginning of the film. That was uh, that was the one that features Josh Hartnett and uh, Marley Shelton. Booze, Broads, and Bullets. That's that's like a, a collection of short stories that uh, is in that's the sixth book in the comic series, which is actually also pretty good. Um, there's some really good short stories in that one. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, Sin City. growing up in London with my family movies were a big part of our lives and it still is even when we moved from London to a quaint uh, from London to a quaint little village outside Salisbury and then to Denmark where I'm currently currently now living uh, my dad who uh, sadly passed away in uh, 2008 he introduced uh, me to uh, me and my brother to a lot of great films uh, some of them were films directed by the Coen brothers, directed by Wes Anderson, and also films like uh, Alexander Payne's Sideways and The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. I really cherish all those moments where we sat down and watched films together, especially the time when we laughed our heads off, what uh, laughed our heads off watching Sideways and also Kevin Smith's movie uh, Clerks some years later. So between the ages of ten and twelve, I was watching a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have watched. Films by Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie and Guy Ritchie's Snatch, his second film as a as a director. Um, that's a fan favorite in our household. Back in the day, I do remember on 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 British TV, like on Sky, like Film Four, the channel Film Four, they showed a real variety of interesting films. Many years ago, when I was you know a kid. And they would have like different themes each month and some of them would show a particular genre of film like horror or comedy or action or gangster films and things like that. They even had like they had like different channels like Film 4 World, which uh, showed a bunch of foreign films and, uh, you know, international films and things like that. And Film 4 Extreme, which was like the most extreme movies of all time and like films like that would that would scare me off watching them as a child. And then I would wait to watch them when I was a teenager or as a young adult. I got into Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie at a young age, and also the Coen brothers, and they are still today some of my favorite filmmakers. First of Tarantino's I watched was Jackie Brown, which for me is a classic and a mature piece of work from him. Then I watched uh, Reservoir Dogs while my parents were having a dinner party next door. I was well aware of the ear slicing scene, 
and then I changed like during that scene I actually changed the channels when that happened because I thought like oh we're actually going to see an ear being chopped off but actually just then I realized when watching the film uh years later it just it pans up and you just hear the reaction in the background and things like that but you do see the severed ear so that was you know disgusting as well uh Pulp Fiction I saw with my brother on VHS and you know that was a film I just had to see. It was on. It was one of my top favorite film. It, it, it is one of my top favorite films, and it was just a film I really wanted to see. And I just love the atmosphere and the, of the film, the dialogue and the characters. And it's just, it's great. I was inspired by films like Snatch and Pulp Fiction, and also Guy Ritchie's uh, first film, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. You know, I would love to do a crime film at some point, but you know, it seems like these days it seems like such a hard genre to crack like george harrison from the beatles said in that b sharps simpson episode it's been done over the years since watching these adult films that i shouldn't have been watching as a child i have continued to be a fan of these filmmakers and then i got into other filmmakers through them like martin scorsese jim jarmusch and then robert rodriguez and Robert Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, they both came up together. They both released Reservoir Dogs and El Mariachi at the same time. And El Mariachi was Robert Rodriguez's first film as a director. It was like a $7,000 budget film. If you're a fan of Robert Rodriguez and like his films, I would highly recommend reading his book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew, which basically details how he went about trying to make El Mariachi. And I think uh, for anyone who is an aspiring filmmaker, I would really recommend uh, checking that book out. It's very, it's a, it's a worthwhile uh, read. It's really, really good fun. Uh, and when I was in boarding school, my friend uh, Christo O'Rourke and I, we were huge fans of Robert Rodriguez's film Planet Terror, which was the, the one part of that uh, Grindhouse film, which came out in 2007, which was like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez trying to, you know, I mean, of course, some people might remember they did like this, you know, double feature movie with Planet Terror and then Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. And it came out in April 2007. And I was in America at the time and I really wanted to go see it in the cinema, but I couldn't because my family weren't interested in uh, going to see the film. But uh, yeah, that film had a bit of a a slightly uh, bad release, didn't exactly make a lot of money. So then when it was released to other uh, other countries, they, they split the two films. But yeah, that Planet Terror is um, a lot of fun. And I do think that might actually be the last best film Robert Rodriguez has done, as I do think he's lost his groove a little bit. Although I do feel like he has got it back slightly while he's been uh, directing episodes in a galaxy far, far away for Star Wars TV shows like, uh, I should say streaming shows, (laughs) Uh, shows like The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. But on the filmmaking front, he has lost it a bit. Uh, Machete, which was a fake trailer in the Grindhouse movie, uh, that turned into a feature film that came out in 2010. That was fun, but it just didn't have the same sort of charm as his other films. And also it didn't have the same charm as Planet Terror. Sequels that he also directed, he, you know, he did a sequel to Machete, which came out in 2013. Machete Kills, which I went to go see in the cinema with a a film school friend of mine. And uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Both of those movies were not that great. And I actually do find them very disappointing. But one thing I will respect Robert Rodriguez for is his approach to filmmaking, especially how he manages to show and inspire people, you know, to pick up his filmmaking tricks and seeing how he did certain things on a small budget, like, you know, you know, tricks when time and money is of the essence when you're filming on set, like you got to be really fast and methodical and... On YouTube, there are a lot of his 10-minute uh, film school 
clip video things and um you see how he did certain did certain scenes like i've seen a few from i've seen a few from planet terror and i've also seen a few from uh once upon a time in mexico which is third in the uh, el mariachi trilogy so el mariachi desperado and then once upon a time in mexico um and he also did and i also seen the one that he did for uh, sin city and he's done a few like uh, fun ones like cooking uh cooking school ones as well which is uh which is really good fun i mean it's really great to watch and i also feel like any aspiring filmmaker should check them out um it's 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 fun watching them because you get a sense of seeing his style and his filmmaking process and um i think that's really cool and it really is quite inspiring in a lot of ways and he is a great like self-made filmmaker like tarantino and also like richard linklater and uh, filmmakers like that i mean despite the fact he hasn't really made like a really great film in a long time i, I do still see him as a uh, fantastic and uh, fun director Sin City was one of those movies uh, that caught my eye as a, as a child. I think I was like 13 or 12 when the film came out. I think my math might be a little bit wrong. But anyway, um, you know, it was just a film that I really wanted to see. You know, in the same way I wanted to watch Pulp Fiction, I just really wanted to see this movie. Mainly because the, it just had a fantastic cast. Like, you know, I was a huge fan of Bruce... I'm, I'm still a huge fan of Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis is in City and in Pulp Fiction. So I was like, fuck, I gotta watch this movie. Because Bruce Willis is in this movie and I fucking love Bruce Willis. Back in 2005, you know, that Sin City trailer... Every time it got, every time it played in front of a movie at the cinema, I got really excited. I think it was like attached to every big cinema release at, during that year. I think to films like Batman Begins and Star Wars Episode Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. You know, it just looked so awesome and cool, and it looked fun. It looked like a fun movie that you just wanted to watch at the cinema. And I got jealous when when Adam, my brother, he went to go see it. And I was also jealous too when he went to go see Kill Bill Volume 1, which came out two years before that. But again, I was too young to see it at the time. And um, yeah, I had to watch it when it came out on DVD. Yeah, Sin City is a cool and awesomely fun film. You know, it's got a great visual aesthetic design that is translated perfectly from the graphic novels written uh, and created by Frank Miller. And it's, it's, you know, it's translated perfectly to the screen. You know, Frank Miller, you know, directed it along with Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino came in to direct one scene with uh, Benicio Del Toro and Clive Owen. You know, it was, you know, you, it was so great getting those two guys involved. And, you know, that was that was the exciting thing because of the, the idea of like Tarantino and him involved. And I was just like, oh, cool. I really want to watch this just because I was a big fan of, um, you know, big fan of Tarantino. And he actually... Um, he actually, uh, they actually used some of the swords from Kill Bill for the character of Miho, uh, who's in the Big Fat Kill storyline. Uh, you know, Tarantino directed one scene in the movie, and it was Robert Rodriguez's way for Quentin Tarantino to come in and see what it was like to direct movies digitally. As Tarantino is one of these filmmakers like Christopher Nolan that likes to shoot his films, 
you know, on film, like using actual like 35 millimeter film. You know, Robert Rodriguez went from shooting on film to shooting digitally around the time when he was making the Spy Kids films. You know, Once Upon a Time in Mexico was the first adult film he shot with digital cameras. And it seemed like with each film prior to Sin City, he was learning all the tricks of you know, how to shoot films digitally, you know, how to use green screen, how to light scenes and, you know, how to light scenes and actors when using digital cameras and the best way to shoot everything and be time and cost effective about it. I, I, I mean, I, I, I like how of a self-made filmmaker he is and how he, you know, he learns by doing all these different things. Like he learns about music, he learns about visual effects and, you know, he, you know, he shoots all his films in Austin, Texas, where he has his own studio and, Troublemaker Studios is pretty much next door to his house. Even before they were properly rolling on Sin City with the cast already in place, you know, he was already figuring out how to bring these stories or yarns, as they're called, to life. You know, he experimented with the use of black and white, like exactly how it is in the books, you know, you know, making some color. He made, you know, he was trying ways of making you know, some colors in, in the black and white stand out, like blood, like in a lot of the scenes, like the blood is like yellow or or red and, you know, the, or the color of someone's eyes or hair, you know, it's just, I thought that was, or even in the beginning scene of the film with Josh Hartnett and Marley Shelton, with the dress that Marley Shelton is wearing. You know, I, I think that approach gives such a unique visual identity to the film and it makes it stand out amongst other comic book movie adaptations. And I think stylistically and visually, it's amazing. And it really is quite something to behold. Like it, it captures my imagination every time I watch it. And I just love the way they brought this brutal and corrupt noir world to life you know watching the film again now in 2022 it still amazes me and it works so well you know for, for something that came out in 2005 like i said it still strangely holds up they did a very good job translating these stories to the screen and it's you know it's more of a translation than an adaptation it's like it's like reading the comics and they just come alive right in front of you. It's extremely faithful to the source material, you know, with the occasional bit of dialogue removed and they make some small changes. And it's a little bit similar to what Zack Snyder did with his 2009 adaptation of Watchmen, which I do like. Like, I think he did a very good job bringing that very unfilmable book to the screen, but it did not have the same acclaim Sin City got, and I slightly mixed things about Watchmen, but I do do quite like it. Uh, Frank Miller, he directed a film in 2008 called The Spirit. It's shot exactly like the Sin City films, and The Spirit is is based off the Will Eisner, you know, Will Eisner, big comic book legend, and uh, that film is pretty fucking terrible. I'm not gonna lie, it is not a great movie. It is silly, and it makes no fucking sense um there's a lot of things that just didn't work for that movie like despite all the good intentions with it you know i read all the graphic novels of sin city after seeing the film many years later and you know someone who likes crime stories in film noir i enjoy i enjoyed them a lot and they are really good fun to read you know all the stories and the characters and the stylized black and white designs and artwork they're all you know amazing i, I mean after reading them and then seeing the film over the years i do feel like a lot of the actors who were cast in the film they were well cast they were well you know the, the characters that they played it was like only they could play those characters particularly like rosario dawson as gail Brittany murphy as shelly benicio del toro as jackie boy nick stahl as uh, that yellow bastard but also bruce willis as hardigan the good cop on the basin city police force a rarity in sin city um you don't get that many honest police officers um i think he was well picked for that you know that for that character that very sort of like morally upstart and tragically honest man 
Kind of reminded me a little bit of Sean Bean's character from Game of Thrones, Ned Stark. I think that comparison is is valid. But the one member of the big of this film's cast, this big ensemble cast who was perfectly, you know, picked for the film, that was Mickey Rourke. I think like there's a, I think when they when they met with Mickey Rourke and or I think he, he came for an audition or they met with him about the role, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, they met with him and I think the only note that Frank Miller wrote down was Mickey Rourke is Marv. I don't feel anyone could have played that character as compelling and as well as Mickey Rourke did. I think looking at all the characteristics of Marv in the graphic novel and seeing how he's presented and like designed, I mean, I feel like the way that he was and who Mickey Rourke was as an actor and where he was at that stage of his career, I think it added something to the character when you're watching it, you know, when you're seeing him play the character on the screen. And I feel like there was a lot of pathos with Marv, this very violent and twisted individual, but who has some moral codes, albeit questionable ones. You know, he's a man with a heart of gold, weirdly enough. And uh, <laughs> when you know what kind of a man Marv is, I feel like he was the, I feel like Mickey Rourke was the only member of the cast that really was just, just 100% perfect for his character. The only person in the film who I'm a little bit mixed on is Clive Owen as Dwight McCarthy in the middle storyline, The Big Fat Kill. I don't think he's... I think seeing it again, I do find him not as compelling to watch, you know, compared to how Bruce Willis and Mickey Rourke are. I do feel like he does. I feel like I mean, there's, there are some fun aspects to the second storyline, the big fat kill, but it does kind of drag a little bit. I feel like that yellow bastard and the hard goodbye. They're quite like, you know, fast and to the point kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, there are some good points with the big fat kill, like Rosario Dawson and Michael Clark Duncan and people like that i don't know i mean i feel like out of the three main characters who are presented in the film i do feel like he's the only one that doesn't quite resonate as strong with me i don't know maybe it's down to the characterization of dwight or the lack of direction from miller and rodriguez or maybe 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 it's maybelline or or maybe it's mainly down to the stiff the stiff way that clive owen plays the character and i think like this kind of you know the ma- this like macho and stylized noir dialogue coming out of Clive Owen's mouth doesn't feel quite the same way when it's being said by Mickey Rourke or Bruce Willis. It just sounds a bit clunky and monotonic when Clive Owen says it. I don't know. I mean, he looks the part. I mean, I think everyone surrounding Clive Owen in the big fat the big fat kill storyline, you know, makes him look better. As there are a lot of great performances in that middle storyline. Rosario Dawson, like I said, Brittany Murphy, as I said, Benicio Del Toro, Michael Clark Duncan, and even Alexis Bledel as Becky. You know, even smaller and supporting characters played by Nikki Cat and Tommy Flanagan, they put in memorable and great funny performances. You know, I feel like I, I was watching an interview with um, William Peter Blatty on the ninth uh, configuration uh, DVD. There was like a behind the scenes documentary with him talking about the film, and he was talking about how. I can't remember exactly the quote that he said, but it was something that Woody Allen said about casting. And it's like, like, it's like, you know, a film success really depends on your cast. Like, you know, it's like, you know, filmmaking is like 80% like, or a film is like 50, like putting together a film, it's like 50% casting. And then the rest is like, if you get a good cast, you're going to be fine. And this film, you know, had a great cast and the success of any film really depends on your cast. And this movie has an awesome one. And, you know, apart from Clive Owen, it's, it really, I feel like really kind of like, just, I feel like everyone really works 
like mostly everyone really works in the movie and i feel like they really like elevate the movie quite a lot especially elijah wood as kevin he's fucking terrifying in that movie and he's just (laughs) i mean just seeing him in that after like lord of the rings and even in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind it was just like wow that's a real uh left turn from all the characters that he played before so yeah i really do think sin city is one of the best films of 2005 and it's really a remarkable achievement in digital filmmaking and you know showing how you can use green screen properly and building your world of of your film it holds up immensely even if you know there are a few couple of creases here and there and you can feel that some actors aren't in the same room as each other but it really doesn't ruin the experience. I mean, it's, it's a very cool and bizarre and very entertaining ultraviolet film, you know, that perfectly captures the spirit and tone of the source material. Um, everything that the sequel, Sin City, A Dame to Kill, uh, Sim City, uh, everything that the sequel, Sin City, A Dame to Kill for is not. It, it had the visuals and it had the characters down, but the storylines weren't as strong. Um, you know, it would it was a sequel that could have benefited from being released around the same time as the first one. I mean, they were trying to do like Sin City two and three, and it would have been nice if they just kind of released around the same time. But um, like in two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight, like just so we didn't have to wait like nine years for a sequel that you know didn't turn out to be that well. But we do have the first film in Sin City from two thousand and five. It's a great film. It's a great modern, cool neo noir film or nice modern noir if you don't like the term neo-noir and for me it is the pulp fiction of 2005 so yeah that's my little review of sin city i hope you enjoyed the episode and uh i hope it makes you want to watch the movie again it's really really good i think it's pretty it's pretty readily available i'm sure you can find it on dvd and blu-ray or i'm sure it's available on some streaming sites or you can rent it somewhere i'm pretty sure on like apple tv or or something like that but anyway yeah um I'm probably going to be doing more of these sort of noir vember episodes. So do subscribe to the podcast. Um, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. Uh, I'll be adding a link tree link into the episode so you can click there and see where all, where the podcast is available. Uh, you can still follow us on Twitter while, you know, Twitter is still around uh, at Homes Movies Pod. I'm also, you know, still on Twitter at uh, Fabricius91. You can also follow Adam at the Northampton Dane. Uh, you can also uh, send us an email, homesmoviespodcast.gmail.com. Uh, we're both on Instagram, andrewsfhomes and adam.h.f.homes. So yeah, do check us out there. Do give us a follow and uh, yeah, follow the podcast and stay tuned for more episodes. So yeah, hope you enjoyed me talking about Sin City. I've been Andrews Holmes. Have a good day. Okay, go home. But in case you're interested, your husband was murdered. Somebody has been dumping thousands of tons of water from the city's reservoirs, and we're supposed to be in the middle of a drought. He found out about it, and he was killed. I think it was only your husband you wanted to kill. Why don't you try to understand? George was supposed to take care of Arthur, but he lost his silly head and shot Broom. And what about me? We could have gone off together. Into the sunrise, you and me, for you and Grisby. What are you trying to do? Force a confession out of me. You've been holding out, and I want to know why. It'll be easier for you if you tell the truth. What difference does it make what I say? You've made up your mind I'm guilty. Are you? Don't tell me you have any doubts. Yes, Angel, I'm going to send you over.
Chances are you'll get off with life. That means if you're a good girl, you'll be out in 20 years. I'll be waiting for you. But hang you out. Always remember you. You do such wild and unpredictable things. Don't be silly. You're taking the fall. <laughs>